Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are powerful. You're a warrior who bathes in your enemy's tears. Then you step out of that refreshing tear bath and into a bathrobe that somehow looks good on you. Yeah, you can pull off a robe. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you save money for driving safely with Snapshot from Progressive. Mmm, savings you can use to buy more robes. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. Hey folks, welcome back to Pitch to Podium. At last, it's a Formula One race weekend again. And man, what a track we are coming to this time out. A proper European gem circuit. It's Portimao. The undulations, the amazing corners, the kind of corners that we have at this particular circuit can make anyone go wild. And the onboards, well, they just feel like you're in a part of a roller coaster ride. And it's going to be an amazing weekend on the whole. Formula One returns to Portugal after many, many, many long years. And Kunal, what a weekend it promises to be. It does. And uh, guys, here's a quick tip. For every time a driver mentions the word undulation, <laughs> go have a shot. And I promise you, you'll be drunk all the way from Friday until Sunday. And you'll probably have the best Saturday evening. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that. I mean, this circuit, it literally has so many corners. where the crest just rises up, all of a sudden, flat and bang, down you go. It's amazing. It's a driver's paradise, essentially. Their necks will be tested, that's for sure. But on the whole, Kunal, if, when we come to think of it, it's yet another new circuit for all the teams. Yes, of course, we had testing here in 2009, but the cars were different. Everything was different. The surface of the circuit was different as well. Things are just brand new. And there's this layer of excitement surrounding everything this weekend. There is. And you know, when you look at all the pictures that the teams and Formula One and all are posting, the circuit just looks so grand and so... So royal, you know, with yeah. those undulations. And there you go. That's a second shot. But yeah, <laughs> you know, and I just, I think uh, the, the drivers are going to love it. The circuit asks for a lot of discipline when it comes to sort of putting in a good lap. So qualifying is going to yeah. be extremely key because, you know, there are downhill braking zones and there are blind corners and it looks just so beautiful. Like when the drivers, are, you know, are talk, talking about it, you just feel like, oh my God, what would it actually be? to, you know, go, go end up driving there at some point. So, you know, I've actually added uh, the list, uh, the, this circuit to the list of circuits I want to go and do a track day at. That's how exciting it sounds. It's phenomenal. And in case you're not very sure of what Portimao is all about, I mean, you've seen a couple of onboards here and there. Chris Harris's Top Gear reviews, all of them on Portimao. You will just get an amazing idea of what the circuit is all about. And, and now that, that we've done fanboying enough about this lovely circuit <laughs> that's come back to the Formula 1 calendar. Not come back, actually. That's come in for the very first time. We can actually get down to discussing what the challenges are like. And there's this lovely video that Mercedes-AMG Petronas put out lately, speaking about what the challenges are and how do teams adapt. But on the whole, Kunal, when you come into a circuit like this one, which is, I think, very, very different from any of the circuits that we have on the calendar, how do you go about with things as a team? What are the procedures that you do when you come to a race weekend initially? You know, the, there's just one key word, which is simulation tools, mm -hmm. you know, and we've spoken about this before. 
the teams would be trying to just make sure that that their simulation models that they sort of work on before uh, you know, reaching the circuit are as close to what the real life models would be that they would put on the racing cars. So Friday practice, which is, you know, happening as we speak, uh, is going to be just about trying to find that correlation and getting that one sweet spot in the setup or the sweet range in the setup, which both your drivers are comfortable with. And of course, they also use this back to, you know, go correlate and see how, how, real life models are working with the simulator models. So that's going to be the one word. And, you know, uh, I wish that uh, this weekend was when they tried the, the two day weekend instead yeah. of uh, at Imola. Imola. It would act, yeah, it would actually be a little unfair to the teams to literally throw them to a new circuit and say, that's it. You got one and a half hours to sort your car out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a, it, that's probably what Formula One needs. You know, with all the data they'll gather, let's really hope that uh, the race uh, this weekend doesn't end up being a boring one just because exactly. the teams have done miles and miles to sort of, you know, get used to the circuit. I mean, there's a, there's a term that I read across a couple of months ago which said efficiency is boring. And when you introspect and maybe look deep down, it actually makes kind of sense. And the time when we enjoy Formula 1 races the most is when it's wet, the teams have no idea about the conditions. So... Portimao will be somewhat like that. Teams do have a vague idea, but not exactly the real thing, unless, of course, they've gone and done that, which they are doing right now as free practice goes on. But uh, nevertheless, it's a fun circuit. It's very tricky. And the one key word that you mentioned there, Kunal, was setup. Now, what kind of a track is this in terms of setups? Uh, there are multiple tight, twisty, serpentine corners in the middle sector. We have spoken about the undulation, shot number three. Uh, but... It, it seems like a very tough place to pass in the middle sector. And that just could mean high downforce corners, which does make it seem like a team like Red Bull could have a slight upper hand on Mercedes. I mean, not, not, they'll not be there challenging for victories, but at least they'll be closer in comparison. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you mentioned, the middle sector, you see the, the last corner, which is a oh. long, you know, sweeping <laughs> right-hander, right as is, you know, turn ones and turn two. So, uh, passing is going to be difficult, which sort of puts a lot more emphasis on, on uh, qualifying, you know, getting grid position right and so on, because there's one DRS zone. And in the last one minute, you and I have literally laid out all the talking points. Yeah. So. I'm going to go back to what you asked about Red Bull. Red Bull definitely would want to get uh, as close as they can or closer. You know, uh, Mercedes believe that uh, with the ban on, uh, you know, engine modes uh, during qualifying, Red Bull has sort of gotten closer uh, in qualifying. Also, as we know, you know, Mercedes have very confidently said, oh, we stopped developing the 2020 racing car a few, you know, races ago. So, uh, you know, that probably helps if sort of Red Bull gets a little a little closer to, to Mercedes uh, for the races to follow. The confidence of these guys, what can I say? Again, if you're listening, if you're watching for the Pits to Podium Grand Prix Prediction Competition, I know you may be knowing this, but still put your money on Mercedes. You may not succeed the one time out of 10, but most of the days you'll get your money's worth that way around. But yeah, it, it's going to be fun on the whole. It should be interesting to see what Super Max can bring out of his Red Bull racing machine. And also it'll be interesting to see how Alex Albon can fare because of course, similar machinery. And on the whole, it should be something very fun to watch out for. But 
the confidence of Max Verstappen, Kunal, it's just not limited to the fact that, hey, I can drag this Red Bull up to very good finishes. He said, you could swap me and Lewis in any single car whatsoever and I could still go out and beat him. Uh, th- this young kid, and yeah, he's not a young kid to our eyes anymore because he's been racing in Formula One for as long as we can remember now, but he's got <laughs> some confidence, hasn't he? He does. And, you know, like we just, uh, the previous episode, we recorded for the Inside Line F1 podcast. P3 has suddenly become the best of the rest position, you know, it whether is. it's the race, whether it's the driver's championship or it's the constructor's championship. And, you know, each time uh, Max Verstappen is not P3 and say is P2 or something, you suddenly realize how, how great a season he's having. And that's when you also, re- you know, realize that if you say, placed a bet uh, in the preseason that Hamilton, Bottas and Verstappen would be the, <laughs> the, the podium uh, combination for most races this season, you're probably going to lose a, lose a lot of money there because it's, it's, it's been exciting, especially because of Max Verstappen and what he's sort of able to pull off uh, in the Red Bull racing car, Sommel. It's interesting. Verstappen always bringing the fight to the Mercedes. But let's keep those guys aside because there is turbulence in the midfield, believe you me. And Haas, the team which a couple of years ago seemed like they would be going on to do much better things and have sadly slipped off, have now decided to replace both of their drivers, which means that Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen essentially have seen the end of their Formula One journey. It seems unlikely that they'll be coming back with any team wanting to put them back in their seats. But this just means that Haas now has a clean slate. They've pinned the blame on financial issues and COVID-19 as the reason why they had to sack Grosjean and Magnussen. Yeah, big financial issues to sack both of them. But they are seemingly going for Nikita Mazepin. And this just seems ever so realistic because of the new rule that has been introduced by the FIA about the super license points, that to get one, you can now also get one with three-fourths of the original points required, which just literally puts the ball into Nikita Mazepin's lap. Uh, who do you think gets there? Is it going to be Eilert, Mazepin, Hulkenberg, Perez? Who are the two drivers that Gunther Sainar are going to choose? Uh, He's going to know, choose, I, I beg your pardon. Somil, I think uh, Haas has realized that their strategy of going with experienced drivers and trying to gain uh, you know, positions on track has probably not worked for them. Mm-hmm. Because you know, in their five years in the sport, just three drivers have sort of driven for them. So continuity has not helped them you know, as much as they would yeah. have liked. And uh, it's unfortunate to see Roman Groshaw and Kevin Magnussen, you know, finding themselves at uh, the receiving end of this, uh, you know, this nightmare, as you'd call it, uh, for Haas. And I know the trolls love Roman Groshaw and, you know, they're happy to see him go. But guys, he's a great talent uh, when he is a great talent, when he wants to be a great talent. And uh, as for Kevin Magnussen, very loved driver, very, very gutsy driver. So two characters that will be missed in the paddock and in uh, on track uh, in 2021 if they don't find seats somewhere. But I think Haas has sort of made it a little more clear that they don't want experienced drivers, like I said. So I don't see Checo Perez or Nico Hulkenberg, you know, finding a spot there. And, you know, again, just a few days ago, uh, we discussed uh, on, on the podcast that uh, uh, for some reason, you know, it's not that Perez and Hulkenberg are really excited by the Haas project either. Yeah. You know, it's not like, hey, there are two yeah. seats there, let's just go and get in. So exactly. maybe it works both ways. And um, like you pointed out, it seems uh, that the rumor mills are pointing towards Nikita Mazepin 
his father making an investment into the team. So we might just see an American-Russian collaboration at least in one seat at Haas next year. And the <laughs> second one may be going to uh, a Mick Schumacher. I mean, had you thought of this 40 years ago, it would be something rather outrageous. But here we are then, 2020. That's the year where things really change. But no, it should be interesting to see how things pan out. But if you're wondering what's a one-shot solution to get to Formula 1, uh, just just have a few bucks in your pocket. That's all. That's, that's what you need. And just a little bit of talent. That's the way around. And so that's, that's all the merry-go-round, all the drama had Haas sorted out. But I'm afraid there's more. Because now that Doralton Capital has, uh, have I said their name right? Is it Doralton? Okay, Doralton Capital have become the investors in Williams and they are the people controlling the team. They said initially that George Russell and Nicholas Latifi will be their drivers for 2021, but the rumor mill keeps on spinning. Silly season has gone a little bit later this year. And word is that Checo Perez may just end up replacing George Russell. Now, what a travesty that would be. Uh, only a couple of weeks ago, we were feeling very sorry for Checo Perez for not having a seat, but we don't want him to come back for the cost of George Russell, do we? You know, it's a merry-go-round because a few months ago, we felt the same for Sebastian Vettel. We, we didn't, didn't want him to go. <laughs> we wanted him <laughs> to stay in the sport, but hey, not at the cost of Checo Perez. But, you know, it just goes to show 10 teams is a little too less for Formula One. Uh, it would be extremely unfortunate if George Russell gets the boot. Uh, poor guy, you know, in the media sessions kept saying the same thing. I have a contract for next year. I'm pretty uh. confident I'm racing. And that's what all drivers before him in his era and after his era would be, you know, forced to say when they are found in situations like this. Again, Williams uh, going down the Perez route would mean that they're getting an experienced driver, really well-proven contender on track. And somebody who can attract a lot of, uh, you know, Mexican uh, sponsors. So, again, mm. an American-Mexican collaboration uh, sort of coming into play with, with Williams. And um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, drivers of lesser caliber with, but, yeah. but with wealthy, wealthy uh, you know, families are sort of keeping seats in Formula 1. But, hey, Samuel, that's how, you know, you and it I, have been, we've read Brookreates' book and... You know, this is how it's, it's been uh, since inception. Yeah. So, it's great to be surprised. But it's also important to remember that it is not unprecedented. It's not unprecedented. It's not unprecedented at all. I mean, from the looks of things, it may seem like it's becoming less of a rich man's sport. I mean, when you listen to the stories of Lewis Hamilton and the rest. But it still is a rich man's sport, right, at the end of the day. And things like this will keep on happening. And... Uh, very quickly, Kanal, before we get back to the midfield, we can only take a couple of minutes for this, but what's it with the mismanagement at Mercedes' end about the young drivers? Pascal Wehrlein was first. We saw him getting the boot. Esteban Ocon went down the very same route. Um, he seems to have found relative stability. From the looks of things, it just looks like George Russell is going down the same way. Uh, then, is it just a very volatile path to go down? I mean, just being a Mercedes driver that way? You know, that's what I tweeted. It's the curse of the Mercedes Junior driver, you know, and these three drivers are unfortunately, two of them have been cursed. One is, you know, out of uh, Formula One completely. One had to take a break in Ocon. And, yeah. you know, talking about Ocon, I, I, I thought Ocon um, was far stronger when he was uh, at Racing Point against Perez. Uh, than he is, say, against Ricardo at Renault. So he, sudden, he doesn't seem as settled in into mm. the team. And 
is there's more than a 40 points gap uh, to him and Ricardo, which is not great for his uh, publicity, for his image in, in the sport. And then uh, it's also, you know, down to the fact that he's out-qualified Ricardo just probably once this season, if I remember. Hmm. So lots of, uh, lots of moving pieces within the Mercedes, you know, puzzle, I would say, especially with, you know, Mercedes not having a satellite team or a team where they sort of have... Yeah you know, guarantees of a seat for a younger driver. They, they did that with Williams, but, you know, that was with the previous owners and previous management. So, I'm sure they will sit back and, you know, think hard about it because it's one thing to help young drivers get a break into Formula 1, which is what they've been doing. But it's another thing to sort of keep nurturing yeah. them till such time they actually reach uh, the, the Formula 1 team. And, of course, Lewis Hamilton is having a great career. The more, you know, the longevity of his career is sort of uh, holding back some of the junior drivers. But that's how, again, it's, it's always been in the mm. sport. Absolutely. It, it's a cycle that keeps on running all the time. So, uh, lots of, uh, I wouldn't say mismanagement as such, because, again, the whole model of B teams with Mercedes has been fading away just that little bit. But uh, it's definitely something that really makes you feel very sad to see all these drivers not settling into Formula 1 as they would. Right. That incident's done. Let's get back to the current grid. Let's see what we have in hand. And the midfield looks something rather fun, doesn't it? We spoke about the track being somewhat high downforce. And from the looks of things, uh, you could expect McLaren and Racing Point to have the upper hand. But as we have seen time and again, Kunal, never count Renault out. Never count Renault out. And, you know, suddenly it seems like Renault is the fastest of the midfield, yeah. uh, you know, followed by maybe Racing Point and McLaren. And literally every weekend or every race weekend, you know, we see the, the, the you know, one team sort of pull out a very minor 10th advantage and, you know, take uh, the best of the rest position. So, they, these three teams are locked in. I, I uh, of course, two very crucial points. Uh, first is going to be Lance Stroll's fitness and his health. Uh, given that, you know, he, he was COVID positive and now he's tested yeah. COVID negative. But, you know, like we've seen, uh, you know, it's hopefully not impacted his fitness and, uh, as much as, you know, it would have impacted some of the other infected patients uh, around the world. Of course, a lot of controversy around how his uh, COVID uh, positive test was handled. But that's not for, that's beyond the scope for us to discuss. We leave that for the FIA to do what they did. And the second sawmill is could Ferrari sort of, you know, springboard themselves into this, this group of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, P3 fighters uh, or, uh, because, you know, they've, they've set a target that we want to qualify in the top six for all the remaining races of the season. And uh, Ferrari have also, they're bringing an upgrade to their diffuser to uh, Portimao, you know. And this is sort of completes their, uh, completes one of their major overall uh, upgrade program for 2020. So let's see what Charles Leclerc is able to do and extract more performance uh, from uh, the upgrades that Ferrari are bringing for him. So it could well be a battle for four teams. I'm not sure how to take of it, how to digest this, because Ferrari normally, when they say something, uh, you normally feel a sense of confidence. Yeah, Ferrari, if they've given their word, they'll do something rather special. But 2020 has been that sort of a year that you actually look at the statement like this and feel like, ha, what are they going to do now? But again, let's hope for the best. We always want teams to compete for really top positions and just seeing the charm and mystique of Ferrari fade away so quickly is something very sad, but I'm sure they'll come 
fighting back. And hopefully Baltimore is the place where they resurrect themselves. But just before we go, Kunal, any last talking points, anything that you expect in particular? And if you had to pick one particular driver to shine, what, who would it be? And of course, tips for the prediction competition that we're going to have running. So, uh, okay, uh, one key talking point would be the Pirelli tires. You know, Pirelli is, of course, get, they're getting the hardest uh, compounds that they have. And in fact, teams are getting one extra set of hards and they've got one less set of soft. So that's the standard allocation because they believe that this is going to be a high degradation circuit, especially for the rear tires. And some of the drivers actually say that it could very well seem likely that they may be a two-stopper strategy. So... Uh, you know, if that uh, that adds to the entertainment value on Sunday, yeah. why not? You know, we, we love to see teams fighting, especially in the pit stops as well. And uh, in FP2, you know, Pirelli are also going to use the first 30 minutes to test the prototype tyres for next season. So that's going to be another interesting element to, to the weekend. But uh, coming to the, the driver that I would really, you know, look out for, the one driver, I think it's going to be Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. We're going to a driver's circuit. We're going to a circuit where we know Mercedes is any. We're going to have the upper hand. And I think, you know, now that he's reached 91 wins, he's looking forward to sort of extend his record. You know, I'm, I'm sure it, it's one of those numbers which you don't really, you don't chase, but it's at the back of your mind, given the magnanimity of the record. And so I think he's, he's going to be the driver to watch out for because like Nityanand wrote on the Pits to Podium website, you know, it's his 92nd win, which yeah. we all know. But it could also be Lewis's win uh, at a 28th circuit in his career. Exactly. Or he could also get a pole position for the 29th circuit that he's going to be racing on. So some really heavy-duty numbers. And as much as I would love to see Valtteri Bottas fight back and so on, it just seems, you know, that Lewis is able to pull that half a tenth when he really needs it and take the title hopes away every single weekend. It's amazing, isn't it? That whenever we consider Lewis Hamilton to be not really a major factor, or when we come to a new circuit, we always feel, hey, Valtteri Bottas is just going to get something special off the bag. And he's a driver who can adapt to new circuits very quickly. We've seen him be very good in qualifying. Straight away, Lewis Hamilton asserts his dominance from the get-go. And that's just, a, that's just what a champion is all about. And that's what Lewis Hamilton has been doing consistently. So, again, if you're playing the prediction competition, you know where to put your monies at. Absolutely, Samuel. It's going to be Lewis Hamilton for, for me. And then I, I think the podium trial that, you know, Hamilton, Botas or Stappen, it's probably what it's going to be unless somebody has, you know, uh, bad luck in the races. But... Mm. Guys, watch out. Like we said, undulation is going to be the word you could, you know, play a drinking game with your buddies on. <laughs> and uh, the, the other comparison that we might keep hearing as well is how Portimao is a lovely mix of Interlagos, Spa, yeah. and, and, uh, and, and Barcelona, right? So, I, it's, it's, it's going to be fun to watch these cars go around and then hear the drivers, you know, keep praising the circuit time and again. And so, I mean, all we can hope is that the local authorities uh, and the local promoter in Portugal is able to come to an agreement with Formula One yeah. to keep hosting a race here, uh, you know, even when the regular season uh, calendar resumes. Indeed. And shh, don't, don't mention Catalonia around here. People on the internet don't seem to like that place <laughs> a lot. But nevertheless, thank you so much for watching, folks. Should be a fun weekend at Portimao in Portugal. 
amazing circuit as we've always mentioned and quite a few factors to watch out for. So, we shall see you on Sunday. Once again, don't forget to play the Pits to Podium Grand Prix Prediction Competition. And if you like this one, please feel free to leave a like, to subscribe, to share, all the other stuff. And we shall see you back in a couple of days. Thank you so much, folks. Bye-bye and good night. Thanks, guys. And thank you, Samuel. We'll see you at another episode. Absolutely. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Nope, it's from Geico because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.